Hey guys, Cade Wilcox here, host of the Primitive Podcast and CEO of Primitive. Uh, on today's episode, we had Robert Taylor, the CEO of United Supermarkets, with right at 95 locations, plus another 30 or 40 convenience stores and a couple of manufacturing and distribution. I mean, it's just a really great company, a large company. Uh, Robert's been the CEO there for 10 years. Just had a great conversation with him about leadership and some of the things he's learned over the years. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you listening in on these uh, podcasts and uh, hope you enjoy this one uh, just like I do. Well, Robert, it's so so good to be with you this morning. I really, really appreciate you being on. So I think uh, most people in Lubbock know you. You've been here a long time. Uh, but why don't you just give us a little bit about your background, you know, where you went to college, how long you've been in Lubbock, uh, about the family business and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on, Kate. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, I, it doesn't make you famous just because you've been in any, any place a long time. So <laughs> uh, that's not a prerequisite for anything. But... Uh, I have been in Lubbock a long time. Um, my parents uh, uh, were in Childress, Texas, running a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week grocery store with another couple, and one would sleep while the other would run the store, and then they'd go back and forth. Wow. And so he saw an opportunity in, in Lubbock, and uh, so moved to Lubbock when I was two years old. So obviously I don't remember anything about that move. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he uh, bought a small... Back then, that day, it was called a candy and tobacco jobber. And there was all independent businesses then. And and so he called on independent businesses for uh, supplies, mainly restaurants and a lot of independent druggists and convenience stores, grocery stores. So he did that. It was a small business, family-owned. Uh, my mother worked in it, too, some. When she used to teach school. So uh, that little business grew uh, and when I was a uh, senior, I uh, went, to, went to Monterey High School. I'm a product of the local public school system, so you know you can take that. I, I don't know whether that's good or bad. <laughs> that's I, a good so thing. It's good for me, anyway. <laughs> and I hope I did. I did You're them. one of their distinguished alumni <laughs> at this point. Yeah. hope I did them proud, so we'll see. Um, so at that time, then I went to, I, didn't, I didn't even think about going anywhere else to school. I walked across the street to Texas Tech, and... Probably one of the best things I ever did, uh, and I, I really whatever I've accomplished, I owe a lot of that to that background and and the people I met and interacted with, and to this day exchange with at Texas Tech. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever asked you what what you actually studied. I was in management and okay. I, with a minor in accounting. Okay. Well, at that point, what what did you foresee of your future? Like, what you know, do you remember what you wanted to do long term? Or were you already, you know, have your eye on the family business? No, I really didn't. I worked in the family business some uh, all summers and everything. Right. But it wasn't really something that, that I really could see me doing. I, I, I was really, I think, maybe looking for a larger challenge, and that's kind of uh, that's kind of an age thing. I think you, you you don't really understand and know everything that age. So uh, that was my my focus, not knowing what I wanted to do. I wanted to get out and interview. Um, and back in that day, the big thing was you get a job where you could make your age. Mm -hmm. So if you know if you were 
21, 22, getting a, a job that you could make 21 or $22,000. That is the best advice I've heard on any of my uh, podcasts. So I, I hope some of my team hear this <laughs> and I'm going to start making their salaries yeah. their age. Yeah. I don't think that would work. Well, nowadays. I tell you, times have changed. <laughs> they that have changed. Work. It absolutely does not work anymore. <laughs> but back then it was a pretty good idea. That's great. But my dad had a, had a, a heart attack at an early age and while I was a senior at Tech. I still lacked a few months finishing, and so uh, his manager is a small business, but we did have a manager. He had left the business prior to that. So I tried to go down there in the afternoon and run it hmm. and go to class in the morning. Wow. And thank goodness he built a pretty good business that withstood a lot of my mistakes. <laughs> but but I learned that that business was more challenging and more complicated than, than I ever thought. dreamed it was. Yeah. So after I immersed myself in it, I, I just didn't, that's what I wanted to do. Hmm. That's awesome. So, so was it both out of necessity and desire at that point? Like at, at that point with your dad's health, like were you, were, were you really it in terms of coming alongside some of the people that were already there? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, it was me. Yeah. yeah, I had to. Did y'all ever have that conversation as a family or did you just like kind of jump in because you knew that's what you needed to do? Well, a dad was sick and he, uh, back at that day, he was only the second one. He was number two in Lubbock to have open heart surgery. Good grief. <clears throat> so it was it was new. And back then, they said, we don't want you talking to him anything about the business. He had to stay bed rest for, and they wouldn't do this now, but bed rest for uh, four to five months of bed rest before they do the surgery to build his heart. They, that would strengthen his heart. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't. Bring up anything about the I business. I bet he never talked to you about the business, though. You know, he was pretty He Was, <laughs> was he pretty good yeah, about he, it? He, was, he wow. was scared. Yeah, so he really didn't force it. He yeah. would ask questions. I'd divert to another topic. Yeah. Something <laughs> the about. weather. Yeah, the weather. It's so, still windy outside. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but we made it through that time period, and I survived that, and the business survived. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apologize for getting over No, the no problem. Uh, but I tell you, I... Uh, I married a sweet lady, Jan, and she really, uh, she really took care of a lot of responsibilities that freed me up to focus and just do that. And uh, it was, um, and it was, it was a good time in our lives. We enjoyed it. I worked hard. I worked long hours, and uh, well, I could see it grow and see it start paying off. Uh, got enthused about business. Bought a manufacturing company, from, owned it for 10 years, Good Art Manufacturing that makes peanut patties. Okay. And we grew that business from just a little uh, garage business into one that was really made the number nine ranked candy bar in, the, in Southwest oh United States. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. And then sold that to uh, Bobby Borden. Uh, and then just focused on that wholesale business. Okay, that's awesome. So how, how many years had you been running R.C. Taylor before the, the relationship with United started to evolve? Well, of course, there's a long-term relationship with United. I was a supplier of theirs for many, many years and got to know uh, Robert Snell and the, several of the family and <clears throat> several of the good folks that, that, that worked at United. There's a lot of long-term team members at United, so many, many, many of them are still there. Right. Uh, so I got to know this. So it was it was uh, hard to say when I really. Sure. I think uh, my kids have all been four children, uh, and you know just love my kids and love the grandkids, and they've all been very successful. But none of them wanted to venture out into that business. Yeah. You know, I'd pass some of my kids coming in uh, late at night, and I'd be going to work. So it, <laughs> yeah. they didn't want that schedule. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I. Uh, 
I took that, and then I, I visited with uh, uh, some people at United. I remember starting about the late in 2006, 2007. And actually, we, we, we saw, I saw an opportunity to sell my business uh, to United and take care. We had, about that time, we had 50-something employees. Mm-hmm. And it, they would all, we'd keep the business intact, and all of them would have a future. Uh, so it's really the best deal for all of us. Good partnership. Good partnership. Yeah. So I signed an agreement and I ran their distribution business for two years. Okay. And then I was asked when they parted ways with their CEO, I was asked to temporarily take over the CE job, which and which, I, still, which still yeah. temporarily yeah, so the I, CEO. So I did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, but just another challenge. Sure. Uh, challenge is what motivates me. Yeah, sure. And so that's been since around 08, 09? Uh, I t- it took over in '09, okay. late '09. Okay, so you're 10 years, a little over 10 years into being the CEO of United. Mm-hmm. Right, man, time flies. No, it, it does. It feels it does. like yesterday. Yeah, it just seems like yesterday. Yeah. right. Yeah, so so you're currently the the CEO of United, and you you help United transition the sale right to Albertsons. Is that mm-hmm. is that that's accurate? True. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. great. So so you went from running the family business. Was it really hard selling the family business? I mean, I know I know you did it. You know, it was good for you. None of your kids wanted to run it. It was good for your employees. You know, but was it was it difficult? You know, oh, yeah. selling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, time that you know that your family, not only yourself, but your family, invested so much in a business, and it bore your name. And mm-hmm. you know, my even my niece did the the graphics for that we still use today on trucks. And it was, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a true family effort. Right. Uh, anytime you do that, you it it you know you have to stop and say, okay, am I doing this for the right reasons? Right. And, uh, and and I went to I went to we have a little getaway little A frame cabin in Reynosa. I remember I get up there one morning I could not I, I told Master Jan if she just leave me alone outside for a while. <laughs> and sun was coming up and I got a legal pad out and do the old fashioned way yep. the, the advantages and disadvantages and so I, I you know came up with that it was really best thing for everybody concerned. That's awesome. But it was hard. Yeah, but it was. It you know, was, most people when they sell their family business, they go fish more, and you you work more. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. How do you how do you manage that? Well, I enjoy working. I yeah. I enjoy the challenges of work, and 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 what it what it it it, it enables you to express yourself. Sure. And I felt like I could express myself more through work than any other way. That's awesome. And uh, it's good to see something you influence do well and. Uh, so that's my total self-satisfaction. That's great. Uh, able to, and two, you want to take good care of your family. Sure. And that always enters in. So United, United's been a great business for a long time. You take over C, you know, the CEO position, which you're still in. Albertsons buys United, so now you have that relationship. So when, when you look at your organization, both you know the almost 100 or is it over 100 stores yet or just right over? 95. 95 stores. So Not uh, counting our 30 four convenience stores right wow so okay so you have over 100 locations that two you're manufacturing plants ah, good grief let's <laughs> yeah. just keep probably keep adding yeah. up if we keep talking but what how do you see your role as a leader so you're the ceo of united you have 100 plus locations you got thousands of employees you have a relationship with albertson's obviously so like how do you view your role as a ceo and and as a leader within your organization we're kind of we being united is kind of unique within any grocery operation and totally unique within the Albertsons operation is that we uh, are a, 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 limit, a limited partnership here in the state of Texas, and so we're a wholly owned subsidiary. Uh, and the, the uh, CEO, past CEO at uh, 
he's still on the chairman of the board, but Bob Miller, he he made it clear that's one reason why we chose Albertsons. We had options. Mm-hmm. was because he said, I'm just going to leave you alone. Do your thing. You know, keep doing what you do. And that's what's happened. So it's been it's been nice. We we do get a lot of advantages of being part of a larger group. For sure. So it so it, it transitioned that part transitioned pretty easy. And then and falling into my role as a leader, of course, I, I'm glad it started out like it did because I was put in that position at CEO, uh, and I had people that worked around me and worked with me that had 25 and 30 years of grocery experience, retail grocery experience. I'd been exposed to retail grocery, but from a different light. Right. So, uh, it, but it's kind of my style anyway. Uh, I, I let my people run the business. I just made sure it was all going the same direction and made sure we all pulled the same way. Uh, we thought the same way. We almost ran a democracy, but not totally, but we, we have an executive team that had their input. They were responsible for every decision and the success of every decision. And if and if it was a merchandising decision, the AR the HR person had to give their two cents and and put their two cents in. So we really moved along that way. So I had hundreds of years of experience behind in that me. room. Yeah, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. So really, I just didn't want to mess that up. Sure. And so that was really my style then, and then we try to progress from there. Yeah. So thinking practically, how often do you, so you, so what I hear you saying is that you, your primary role as CEO is basically leading leading your leaders, so leading your leadership team and ensuring that everyone's kind of going in the same direction, pursuing the same goals and objectives, et cetera, et cetera. What does that practically look like? For example, do you, do you meet once a week for two hours? Do you meet, you know, every other day? Like what are, what is some of the practical habits of, of your leadership team that ensures y'all are on the same page and you're communicating and that, that kind of thing? Well, of course, first of all, one of the most important things is the relationship you have with those people where you have those hall meetings mm-hmm. or, you know, call on the phone. Yeah. You have those things that keep you going. Ongoing relationship, uh, yeah. Besides that, we have one meeting all day long a month our executive meeting, okay. and we'll invite other people in if we're working in certain areas. Right. Then uh, make sure we stay totally connected with the thing that's the most important at United, and that's the stores. I mean, sometimes you can get lost in the weeds, and you think that uh, some merchandising uh, profile is more important than the store's most important thing. Right. So you got to support those stores. Hmm. So on Monday, uh, we have regional, six regional RVPs, regional vice presidents, they poll every store about needs, especially things that they have requested uh, and uh, and something hadn't happened, especially that. But they poll them with their needs or something that's just changed. And then every Tuesday morning at 7.30, we have what we call flash call. Now, a lot of people in our group would argue that it's not much of a flash because it, it lasts sometimes. <laughs> last three hours. <laughs> it lasts a no, we try not to make that long. It's set up when initially, you know, 30, 45 minutes, but it usually lasts an hour, hour and a half. Uh, but we go around the room, and we have all our executives there, plus some other people that maybe have influenced different parts of the business. And each uh, regional vice president real quickly goes through that. I need some help on this. I need some help on that. Uh, so if it's IT, I'd say, Chris St. Clair, you know, make sure you got that take care of, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah. 
And so that really, I think that's really one thing that, that kind of glues us together. Yeah, it helps you stay, like you said, connected to the needs on, on, on the ground, so to speak, in the stores where the, where the customers are, which are ultimately, obviously, the most important thing. United has been kind of renowned, or at least from, from what I've heard, for, for its culture, for its staff, particularly the in-store staff. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, that also includes all, everyone in the office, per se. But what do you think has cultivated, you know, the culture within United and why it has such a great reputation as it relates to the culture of the organization? That's a hard, hard question to answer because there's not any one thing you can point to that makes it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've forced. I inherited that. Right. That that was that was the culture. That's what that's what happened. I often I get questions. We were in share groups before we were purchased by Albertsons and with um, six or seven other regional grocery chains, and I continually got questions. How do you get the culture? How do you get the the, the teenage young man to, to walk to the car and and actually carry on a conversation? Or how do you do this? How do you do that? Uh, can you send me your manual? Can you send me your training <laughs> right. manual? You're, there, there's three-step process. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, there's there is a there right. is obviously a training manual because a lot of things we got to comply with. Right. But there's not really a set of rules, or, or we do go through a training process, but that's not where it's at. Where it's at is 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 a culture that we've developed over the years, and I think when a person of any age, I'd start to say young person, but the but of any age goes to work. They have some people that have been there a long time in that store, and they want to emulate what they do. Mm. Now, that's not saying we everybody does the right thing all the time. Right. Another thing is that we empower our people. The main rule is do the right thing. Now, the right thing might be the same thing every time. Now, if you're going to have that policy, you got to really train your people to support it. And so when somebody does something that maybe they thought it was the right thing and it may not be, what you do, you have a coaching opportunity. It's not a scolding opportunity. It's not right. a time to write somebody up, but it's just a coaching opportunity. And so I think we get 99% right decisions when we do that. And there's some that, that they go pretty far out on a limb uh, to take care of the guest. Guest is we pretty much subscribe to guest is always right, and we try to take care of them. Awesome. And so we we don't we want about a thousand percent. But uh, that's good. Uh, that culture's there. Yeah, one thing I've always admired about you specifically, since I've known you over the last several years, is how often you travel to the stores. Now, with over you know 100 plus locations, including the convenience stores, obviously you can't be all places at all time. But one thing I've admired is you've made a very conscious decision and effort to to visit as many stores as often as you can. Where'd you come up with that? Why do you do that? And what do you what do you think the greatest yield for you personally is being able to connect with every store like that? Well, I think for me personally, it's it's I get a real feel for how the people are. Uh, I take always go take some experts with me that can tell you if the displays are done right. Right. Uh, is our pricing in line? Uh, they they work on that. Uh, but I can connect with the people, and I always listen if they've got complaints, you know, and, and you do from time to time. Sure. That's just part of That's it. That's nature. It's yeah. how you handle the complaints. You're going to have them. Right. Uh, and we got to make sure our people feel like somebody's always listening to them because that empowers them to do the right thing if they really think that we care about them. So that's my favorite thing to do, by the way, is do that. Now, it kind of gets you behind an office. <laughs> but I, you know, some stores, you know, in some areas need more attention than others. But I'd say generally my, my goal is to make every store twice in a year, which That's a lot used, of work. used to be easy. But 
uh, pretty well spread out. From, That's a lot of crisscrossing. You know, from <laughs> Taos, New yeah. Mexico to Dallas. Yeah. and then uh, That's great. Yeah, I've always admired that about you and, and really appreciate, uh, yeah, because that takes a lot of effort. And, you know, in an organization of your size, you know, you could easily say that's someone else's job and, and you've never done that. And I, I admire that about you. How do you, how do you on a personal level approach failure, mistakes? You talk about opportunities for coaching with employees, but like, how do you on an individual level, you know, how do you approach failure and, and over the years of being such a great leader, what, what have you tried to learn from failure? Well, you know, of course it's tried. Everybody says that we got to learn from your mistakes, but it, it's, it's true. I think you got to go kind of one level deeper is this, why didn't I see it coming? What? Mm-hmm. Where in me or, or one of my key people, where was it that we did not see this coming? Usually, it's usually after the fact, it's real clear. Right. You know, so you try to build up things. Okay, we, we, we got we got to we got to learn so we don't this. Not only this does not happen again, but we've got we kind of have to look at it. We got to be analytical enough. Uh, we've got to stay in touch with the people. Usually, somebody sees something happening. Right. It's how quick can you respond, learn about it, and respond to it. So if you don't really dig down deep, uh, and the tendency sometimes is to say, I'll learn this won't happen again. I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. I'll fix it. And then you sweep the rest of it under the rug. But it's the rest of it that will keep you from having other things happen that are similar to that. So you gotta you got to learn from your failure. Failure, failure makes you better. Uh, uh, and there's a tendency some to say that the failure was somebody else's fault or somebody didn't respond or so, but that's not. It's really it's this system that you set up, and I think that that you've got to always take it on yourself to say that the failure was my fault because I didn't do this, not Joe's fault or right. Sally's fault. Right, owning it. Right. So yeah. you need to own that failure. That's good. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. How do you approach your own personal growth? You got you got dozens of meetings. I mean, I know you personally, so I know that you're you're in meeting after meeting after meeting. You you work very long hours. You have a lot of employees. You have a uh, hundred stores. You have stakeholders like Albertsons and their executive team that you have to answer to and work with. So, how does Robert prioritize Robert's growth as a leader? And like, what does that look like for you? Well, you know, really, some of those meetings you talk about are kind of in my growth plan. Hmm. Uh, I've always felt like that if you did not branch out and get outside of the community of the business that you're in mm. uh, and make new relationships and continue to make new relationships, uh, I've made a lot of new relationships the last two or three years. Uh, but it's valuable. Uh, you know, you can only be so effective as, as one person. So how many times in a day, there's no telling. I, 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 get, I get kind of kidded at the office do you know, I said, do we know so-and-so? I'll go ask Robert. But if, if you don't have a relationship with people that, that you know, you gain their trust, mm-hmm. so when you really need to talk to them about something, it may not be asking for any favors or anything. It could be just simply, hey, I need your, I need your advice on this. Because there's a lot of smart people around, and, and they're smart in their area. And I get, that's where I pick up most of my, Awesome. Growth is through that. Of course, I've I've got to go back in time, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, thank my dad for giving me basic rights and wrongs. And my dad may not have been the smartest. He graduated from Samuelwood High School. I think he graduated from there. He was, yeah. he was class of nine. At least I saw his picture <laughs> on the wall. And never had a chance to go any further in education. So he would, but but boy, he could connect with people. 
and he knew right from wrong, and it was real easy for him to determine that. And how you treat people, that was that was the number one thing. And of course, my mother um, uh, was was a great, passionate lady that promoted a lot of things here in Lubbock, and uh, she was one of the early YWCA's. Okay. She taught me to look past skin color and look look past ages and look past all that because it was the real person you deal with. And then uh, I draw uh, strength from my wife every day because uh, she's always she's been one of my biggest cheerleaders. You know, I, we, some of our arguments would be over. Yeah, you know, I just didn't do a very good job. Oh yeah, you did fine. And I, I, I was terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's your biggest fan. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So it's. Um, I bet she doesn't mind being honest with you either. No, she doesn't. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love running into her. She, she's, she, yeah, she doesn't mind telling person. where I could do better. Also, which is, which you need that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you need that. So. Really, and, and as, as I've gone through my business life, uh, I'd say relationships and people, uh, you know, I, like I made a special effort to get to know Ken Hans and mm. uh, people like that and, and the people at Tech, the administrators, and, um, you know, just all through my, my walk of life, I've just tried to make relationships with folks. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, last question for you. Uh, I, it's great to hear your dad's influence. I, I, uh, I, I wish I could have met him. I mean, anyone growing up in Sam Norwood, Texas, yeah. and that's a tiny place. <laughs> that's a tiny place. And so place. no doubt he learned a lot of grit and character and, and uh, you know, growing up somewhere like that. Um, last question for you. If you could speak to your younger self, you know, what would, what would the Robert now tell the 20-year-old Robert if, if you could look back and, and give him some advice? You know, I kind of, I kind of got into business in an interesting way. So, it, I, I don't know that I would go tell myself to change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would scold myself sometimes for not taking, as a younger person, taking advantage of all the opportunities that I had. Uh, did I put out maximum effort in every class in school? No, I didn't. <laughs> you know, uh, did I read every book I was supposed to read? No, I read a few cliff notes, you know, and it gets you by. Sure. So all those classes, then I, there's accounting classes that I love, and I just, I, I did everything. Yeah. I just, for some reason, I like numbers. So, you know, I probably did not take, I could have made some things a lot easier on myself mm-hmm. if I would have taken advantage of everything that was thrown at me. Uh, but for the most part, I make, I think I made, uh, not wise, not brilliant choices, but wise choices every time. Yeah. Um, I probably could have made some better choices from time to time, but but I thank my parents. I thank them for that, and my church I went to, and the people I, I got to know growing up. Uh, always had a, a a good support group for making the right choice, and so sometimes the right choice wasn't hard. So I, I don't know that I would I would could tell myself anything that would drastically change. Uh, a lot of that is for good fortune. Sure. Good people around you, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. You, you know, you can break your arm patting yourself on the back. So I got, I probably had very little to do with uh, being able to have a, a fun and vivacious and uh, in, uh, challenging business career. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the podcast uh, today. Uh, really great to, to have you. And, and I appreciate your leadership. Uh, again, just getting to watch you and observe you from a distance, you know, over the last several years. 
um, you know, United is very generous and very gracious, you know, to every community that it's in. And I feel like uh, that really starts with you. And I watch you interact with other people and I watch how much uh, of your time you give, you know, to all kinds of other efforts beyond, you know, just United. And it's really cool to see such a large organization's culture be shaped by, I, I know there's a lot of people that are shaping it, but you really lead the way. And I admire that. And and I think Lubbock is really fortunate that you're the CEO of United and all the incredible impact that you make. So it's been fun watching you and, and uh, getting to learn from you. And so just really appreciate you. Well, I appreciate that. I, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the the culture at United, I, you know, personally, I believe in giving back and long before I became part of United. But the United's culture is one that encourages people to give back uh, and, and really be part of. And I've, I get more from my involvement, and our United folks get more from their involvement in the communities because we're in, we're in 38, 40 communities now, I believe. And we have leadership roles. Uh, we encourage that in all the, especially the smaller communities because they need that, they need that help. Uh, so you always get more out of it than you put into it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, so we were, thank, thanks for your time. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. <clears throat> I have a bonus question for you. A bonus question. Do I get so points? You, you, you might. depends on your answer. <laughs> I've always heard you talk about how, you know, the grocery business has razor, you know, razor thin margins. And it's just getting hyper competitive. I mean, not just, you know, what Walmart's doing and your big boxes like Sam's and, 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 uh, um, Costco, uh, but then you have HBs coming in, but then you have the whole digital, you know, the whole digital transformation of retail. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, what value is there with the competition? Like, how does it, how does it make you better? Like, how do you, I mean, it's cause you're a large organization. So how does a large org organization view and approach competition? Not, not a specific competitor, but just competition mm -hmm. in general. Well, competition is part of business. So, you know, you're going to have it. Yeah. So if you don't embrace the challenge, you're, you're going to be defeated right then. Left in the dust. Yeah. yeah. So you say, okay, this, this challenge is coming. Uh, you know, the pie is only so big. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you got to have a reality check. Is when you have competition come into a market that hadn't been there before, they're going to take a slice of that pie. You just manage your business to where that, that slice, you can manage around that business and be successful with that slice gone. Mm -hmm. You just manage your business to where that slice is pretty small. Yeah. And so that's the way we look at it. And we do things uh, in certain areas you learn to coexist because you know that we have certain competitors in this market and all our other markets. We're in, you know, with Dallas and Albuquerque. And right. We've we got a lot of competitors. You know that they have their place in the business and they're going to carve out a niche. Mm. You just got to be good at what you're good at uh, and, and you've got to get better every day. Yeah. That, that's incredibly encouraging to hear. Is really what you're saying is is focus on who you are and what you do. Do it really, really well, and take care of the business you have. That's and, right. And that's that's really that's good. You know, it doesn't sound like you spend a lot of time thinking about others. You think a lot about your culture, your people, your your services, what you're offering. Make it the very best it can be. Um, and yeah, that's that's, that's really that. But you got you got to know your competitors. Sure. Too. You got it has to be really balanced. You know, I talk about respect, uh, learning and, and respecting people. You got to respect your competitors mm. because they they're not there because they do things wrong. Right, they clearly mm. doing something good. Yeah. yeah. What about technology? I, I promise you, this is my last question. <laughs> what What about what What do you? I mean, you've had this uh, really cool career where you know you you got to take over as a really young man from your father and his family-owned business, and you've been in it, and so. 
you know, just the technology age, like you, you've seen that, you know, transformative, you know, kind of impact from the very beginning. So what have you learned from that? Or, and like, how do you have to constantly be evaluating technology as society continues to be shaped by new technology? Like, what's that look like in your business? Well, if any people, if anybody watches this that knows me very well, or especially anybody that works with me, they're sitting there just giggling right now. I won't say, I can't wait to hear what he says because I am not an expert in technology. Sure. You know, when I got in business, we had zero technology, a telephone, I guess. We had a telephone. Sure. Uh, I remember when the fax machine first came out, I was, just couldn't believe you could stick a piece of paper in it and then that somebody in Dallas awesome. would get, get print on that piece of That's paper. That's awesome. It's, you know, it's phenomenal. So I'm easily impressed by technology. But at that point, at that point too I, I know how to do business I knew how to do business at that time without it mm-hmm. I see how technology has advanced everything so fast I make sure I surround myself with somebody that really understands really it. understands and that can go out and access not wait for it to come to you you're going to be left behind yeah. and we just we had meetings about it today mm-hmm. before I got here uh, trying to advance in certain areas of technology that is is really not done in the industry right now. We, we're awesome. working on some things that are just really unique. It's awesome. Do, do I work on them? No. <laughs> yeah, I, for do, sure. <laughs> I, I, do I encourage and do I try to make sure we got the support of the people and the funds to support Resources. to yeah. develop it? That's awesome. And so that's that's my role. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I promised no more questions, so I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. But again, really appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it, Kate.